What if Jesus had never been born? Without Jesus, we have neither victory nor hope. And of all the what ifs that we could ask, I think this is probably the biggest one that anybody could ask. Um, I had a whole list of things and considering this. I'm just like, there's so many sermons going on about Jesus coming into the world. It'd be fun to talk about what it would be like if he didn't show up, if he never came. And I had a list, you know, I was going to hit on parent, plan, or, uh, Planned Parenthood, the reality of slavery, uh, the chaos uh, just in the world, the wars that there would be, just how, how much injustice there is. There's a lot of, lot of things that have taken place in this world um, that really have saved us from a lot of things, whether you're saved or not, really have saved the world in a lot of ways. Okay, I don't think we would see as many people upon this planet today as we see if Christ never came. He is central to everything, whether you believe or not. And there is so much that is going on in the world today. And I want to consider just with you guys this morning, uh, just that profound question. What if Jesus had never been born? Uh, we would first lose our primary means of understanding Really, I think the most important thing for us in this world, it's to understand God, the nature of God. And we are in a place, in a time where people don't want anything to do with Jesus. We don't even talk about him in our, in our schools anymore. But the reality is we've been created for him and to know him. And if we couldn't understand and know the nature of God, if Jesus never came, we would be completely lost. Um, so, God, the reality of Jesus' earthly experiences, uh, looking to him, okay, we can look back on those things. We would never know how intimately our God identifies with us. And secondly, considering the nature of God, um, you know, we, we have this hope, but we also are able to then uh, understand that there is victory, okay? Because if we didn't have our God, okay, come in human form, if Jesus never came to reveal the nature of God, uh, we would lose the reality of evil is in the world. That victory that Christ has given us over evil, it would be gone, okay? Both the present and future. There would be no salvation for sin. There's no victory over the devil if he never came. Uh, there's no life after death. There's no assurance that right will eventually prevail over what is so wrong in the world. So in short, we have no hope. You guys kind of get the big picture? There's so many things we could talk to, but as I consider this, it all came back to the hope that we have as believers in Christ. That's what it's all about. That's why Christmas is so fun, right? It's about Jesus. So however we want to look at this, it's because Jesus was born, we can conclude with that triumphant note that we read in the scriptures, citing the angels, good tidings of great joy. Okay, There is great joy because of Jesus. Without him, there is not great joy. I mean, what do you guys get excited about? Think about that. Oh man, I get to go out to eat at, you know, Great. You go, you have the meal. What's after that? Well, I'm full. Now what? You know, <laughs> nothing ever really lasts. Nothing ever really satisfies. You know, are the Packers going to win today or not? I don't know. Okay. 
Hope they do. If they don't, guess what? Been down that road before. <laughs> Vendetta's been <laughs> disappointed in them many times. Nothing ever really satisfies except for what? Our greatest joy, Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can truly satisfy your soul with something that lasts, that is eternal. So we have this blessed, great joy. So I want to read together today with you guys in John chapter uh, 1. Um, and the reason why I want to look here, I think of all the scriptures that we find in the New Testament, verse 14 is probably the most profound of all New Testament scriptures. Okay, and I want to take a look at a few verses following that, but we'll pick it up in verse 14 together. It tells us here, and the word became flesh. We'll pause for a moment. Look at the first verse that John writes. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, so the word is God. Well, who's this word? Well, we're told here in verse 14, the word became flesh. Well, when did God become flesh? Well, that's Jesus, guys. Okay, and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. John is testifying here. We beheld God. Okay? And he says, we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Man, God came. Emmanuel. Think about it, guys. And then let's read what... He goes on to say in verse 15, John bore witness of him, and he cried out, saying, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace in truth. Aren't you guys glad we're not under the law anymore? It's because Jesus came. And because he came, we can finally have grace. Because we couldn't keep the law. We need help, God. We can't do it, God. All right, I will be gracious. Okay? He came, and the truth came with him also, full of grace and truth. In verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, whom is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. So we've all benefited, guys, from the blessing that he's brought to us. Another gracious blessing after another gracious blessing. Even being able to be here today and to hear the word of God. What a blessing. What a gift to consider him. And that's what life is about. If we are to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Do you guys think times like this is needed? Man, I'm going to take a time out. I'm going to seek you. All the distractions set aside. This is time for you, God. I'm looking to you. I want to hear from you. I want to learn of you. So here, guys, the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. So no one has ever seen God but his only son, who he himself, God, is near the Father's heart. And because he is near the Father's heart, he has told us about him. So if Jesus had never been born, there would be no God with us. No God with us. Some of you guys remember the standard old movie plots. You've seen the movies where there's an actress or 
you know, maybe she's a dancer or whatever, and she gets, you know, this bouquet of beautiful flowers. Who's this from? I don't know who gave me these flowers. Who's the secret admirer of mine? And you guys know how the story goes. They finally, you know, meet up, and then they fall in love, and they get married and live happily ever after. And I think there's something within each one of us because we can't deny there's a creator. I mean, only a fool says that there is no God. Okay, creation itself declares to us that there's a creator. And we know that there's a God. Like, and we want to know, who, who's the secret admirer who made me? I think that's deep down in all of us. There is that big question. Who is he? Well, guess what? He came. And he revealed himself to this world. And I love that Jesus came, okay? God revealed who he is and what he's like by sending his son, okay? There's no questions that have to be out there. We know because of him. So from the beginning, okay, we have been hungry to know who the secret admirer is, and it is Jesus. Do you guys know that Jesus said, no one knows the son except the father? And no one knows the Father except the Son. No one knows the Son except the Father would reveal him to him. So how do we know God? Well, I'm glad you guys ask because we're told in Colossians chapter 1, we can know God because of Jesus. It tells us there he is the image of the invisible God. Wow. You want to know what Jesus is like? I mean, God is like? You look to Jesus. That's why I've loved the last two years going through the Gospel of Matthew with you guys. We got to see the heart of Jesus. What is God like? What does he care about? What is he passionate about? How does he love? How does he speak? How does he relate to others? Why has he come? That was all laid out for us in the Gospel of Matthew. Spend time in the Gospels on a regular basis, guys. We get to see and know the invisible God because Jesus is him. It's Jesus. So in the second chapter of Colossians, we also see the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in the mystery of God. The Father is in the Son. So that's why the prophet Isaiah, Old Testament, wrote that God became Emmanuel. You guys know what Emmanuel means? We just sang it. God with us. Pretty cool. That was prophesied. Okay? Jesus just didn't randomly show up and just kind of like, oh, I'm going to finagle things and make everybody think I'm God. No, God said he was going to come. It was part of his plan all along, okay? Before the foundations of the world, before he even created the world, Christ was already crucified. It was always a part of his plan. So otherwise, God would have no face, he would have no ears, no heart, and we would not understand God because Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. For I and the Father are one. Do you believe that? I absolutely do. So if Jesus had not come on Christmas, we would have no knowledge of what God is like. So we would not understand how Jesus could identify with us and how can we relate to him. Okay, he is God. Well, I love considering different names that have been given to God in the scriptures. And there's many, okay? Many, many different names for God that we find. But there are, 
there are three prominent ones that we find, and I want to look at the most prominent ones with you guys this morning together. The one is Son of David. How many of you guys have read that in the scriptures? Okay, quite a bit. Okay, the Son of David. That speaks to Jesus' Jewishness. Okay, think about that for a second. He came out of the tribe of what? Judah. That's where King David was from, okay? So Son of David speaks to his racial heritage, and we see that come up a lot. And then another title that we see quite often is Jesus referred to as the Son of God. Okay, that is found often as we read. Even a demon once said, he is the Son of God, okay? Even the demonic demons out there understood and knew you know jesus why have you come it's not time yet you know they knew that it was god okay it's not time but we know who you are you are the most high the almighty so perhaps the most eloquent description and you know to identify of all the names that have come out you know would be the son of god and it really i love we just concluded with jesus upon the cross if we read different accounts, there was a centurion that was there during the crucifixion. And I think he had one of the most eloquent declarations ever given. And uh, Max Licato, he so beautifully uh, related to this crusty, old, hard-nosed Roman centurion um, at the cross there uh, with the three men. And he wrote this. I want to share it with you guys because I thought he did such a great... Uh, job uh, just considering him he said this as he washed speaking about the centurion the one in the middle he began to notice something different about him from his lips there came a sound not a whine not a scream but a voice of authority the voice said it is finished and he continued to stare up into heaven that old roman centurion got up and began to walk towards the figure on the middle of the cross and as he began to walk suddenly the ground began to shake and he fell down and he got up again and he stumbled towards the cross and he fell down at the feet of the cross and when he did he noticed the head was now turned towards him those eyes that had been staring up into heaven are now staring down at him and those hands couldn't come down to touch him those feet couldn't walk towards him that head could barely move because of the pain but he saw those eyes, those eyes that looked so powerfully and helpful, or yeah, helpfully and compassionately on this friendless, adulteress in Jerusalem, or on the uh, divorcee at Jacob's well, over the father who had lost his daughter. These were the eyes so powerful that the centurion could not help but look at them. And that voice spoke one more time. And he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The centurion knew something. He said something that if he had not, the angels would have. If he hadn't said it, the demons would have. If he hadn't said it, the rocks would have cried out. All of creation would have shouted. The centurion stood up and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. So son of David, son of God, and then we have the son of man. 80 times, guys, in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the son of man. It's the favorite, it's his favorite 
designation for himself. He said the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He said the Son of Man, when he comes, he will come with his mighty angels. And he also said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the depths of the earth. So Son of Man, what does it mean? Well, the title combines Son of Man that's used all the way back in the prophet Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, and also combines itself with what Isaiah laid out for us in Isaiah 52, verse 13, into chapter 53, which at this time I'd like you guys to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 53 with me. But it's really incorporating what Jesus is doing by proclaiming and why we see him referred to as the Son of Man so often. He's incorporating that idea of sovereignty in the pre-existence of the suffering servant. So Jesus claimed to be the one who would inaugurate this glorious kingdom by first suffering. A lot of people have a hard time. Well, why would God come to earth? Why would he come to suffer? Okay, He had to. And he foretold us that's what he would do first. He would come to suffer and die for the sins of the world, death upon the cross. So the terms son of man contain this supernatural okay, and exalted overtones, which the Jews of that day, when Jesus referred to as the son of man, they knew exactly what was being said. We kind of hear it, son of man, what, what are you talking about? Why would he be referred to? The Jews understood that he was declaring to be God by saying that. So we are able to identify with um, his deprivation, okay, in, in considering Jesus as the Son of Man. We know that the scriptures say that foxes uh, have a place to rest, uh, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head, okay? Because Jesus came, the suffering servant, the Son of Man, we can identify with him. He can identify with us. I think that's pretty cool. As the Son of Man, he understood us in our limitations, okay? He understood what it was to be hungry, you know, hey, we're hungry. Go get some food, he told the disciples, right? He understood that. He understood what it was like to be thirsty. I thirst, he said. Think about that. God understands our limitations, our needs. I love that part. So he was, you know, he's also knew what it was like to be tired. You guys remember when the storm was going on and they were in a ship? Okay. All the disciples are freaking out. What's Jesus doing? I'm wiped out. I'm taking a nap. <laughs> Leave me alone, guys. <laughs> we're going to get to the other side. It's going to be okay, you know, but we're going to die. So Jesus got up. Peace be still. Chill out, disciples. We're all good. But anyways, he understands. Jesus also can identify with our limitations, okay? He was obedient to his parents, okay? As children are called to be obedient to their parents. And he was an obedient son. And he took our limitations and we can identify with that. He also understands temptations. Okay, some scriptures may be popping in your mind as I say that. And I am so thankful that he is there and he understands when we are tempted. The Bible says that he was tempted in every point just as we are tempted. And yet he fought back. He didn't give in to uh, any single one of those temptations. And it isn't wrong to be tempted, guys. Do you know that? It's not wrong to be tempted. Some of us beat ourselves up. Man, they just keep coming. I am tempted all the time. 
The Bible says that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus out into the wilderness to what? To be tempted. Okay? It's part of life. The Son of Man was tempted just as you and I are tempted, yet without sin. Some people think that good people don't face temptation. You guys know I like C.S. Lewis, and he pointed out this, how silly that idea is. He said, good people understand temptation more than bad people. The reason bad people give in so quickly, they don't even know what it, you know that it was supposed to be fought. Those who struggle with temptation are like people who are walking against the wind, like an army in a terrific battle with its enemy. A good person struggles with not giving in five minutes, but also knows that an hour later he or she will be struggling with it. Good people know what temptation is like. Okay, You guys know what it's like. Jesus did. In all points, he was tempted as we are. He identifies with us, with our temptations. He stood against it, and he empowers us to stand against it, to win over those temptations. So if Jesus had not come, there would be no identifying with us. So if Jesus had never been born, there would be no victory, guys, over sin. We would not be set free. God's word says that Jesus died for our sins. Let's take a look here at Isaiah 53. It's a very powerful chapter. As you guys know in the Old Testament, it's called the Gospel of the Old Testament. If you have a Jewish friend, sit down with them and read Isaiah 53 and ask them, who is this talking about? They're going to have to say it's Jesus. This is your prophet. This is your book. This is Jesus, your Messiah. So let's take a read together here. It says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows who's acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, and he's carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, and he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressors of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, 
nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied, and by his knowledge my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for their trans or for the transgressors. Twenty-four times, guys, in this chapter. Twenty-four times it refers to someone else, or someone else taking the place for salvation. Twenty-four times. Forty-eight times personal pronouns are used. Jesus is the Savior. He is the one who bore that iniquity, took those sins upon himself. He came to save us from our sins. Guys, that's the gospel. Jesus died for your sins. Pretty simple. Do you believe it or not? That's what it really comes down to. That's, it's true. He really did it. Do you believe it? Have you received that gift of forgiveness or not? I think of the shepherds near Bethlehem the night the angels came and they were singing glory to God in the highest. They were not watching an ordinary flock of sheep. These were the slaughter sheep raised to be taken to Jerusalem to be offered to God. And wasn't it unique? While the Lamb of God was being born in a manger, the lambs were being prepared for the slaughter as a sacrifice for the sins of Israel. Jesus spent 33 years preparing to die for the sins of the world. Had Jesus not come, there would have been no salvation from sin. We're told in 1 John 3, 8, how the word says, the reason that the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Wow, that's another good reason he came, huh? He came to destroy the devil's work. How many of you guys like the devil's work? No, uh Kill, destroy, right? Rip off. The word destroy, guys. Okay, he came to destroy the devil's work. This is 1 John 3. You guys can look it up later in your strongs. It's a very powerful word that is used for destroy. Okay, Jesus came to break or dissolve the devil's work. The word for devil is also interesting. It's diabolus, which means one who shatters. So Jesus came to break the one who shatters. That's pretty cool to think about. That's why he came. And what are the works of the devil? Well, the works of the devil, they affect us in many ways, mentally, for one. You guys ever read of those fiery darts? Yeah, okay. He's there. He's the father of lies. That involves the mind, doesn't it? Okay, Who are we listening to? Are we going to listen to the voice of truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are we listening to him? Or are we listening to the lies? Well, who, who do those lies come from? Well, Satan. He's the father of lies, we're told. Okay, The works of the devil. He comes to try to mess up our thinking. And Jesus came to shatter that bondage. Some of you guys choose to believe the lies. 
and therefore you're living in those lies. You struggle, you feel defeated. You're buying into the lies. Jesus came to shatter those lies. He comes to speak truth. But I feel so dirty. Well, if you're in Christ, you are holy. That's what the Bible, I don't care how you feel. What is the truth? The truth is you've been declared a saint. You are holy in Christ Jesus. And that's where we need to believe the truth, stand in the truth. Jesus came, guys, to shatter the bondage of those lies. So the works of the devil come also to affect us in motivation. Jesus dissolved diabolos works, which allow us to obey God instead of being an enemy of his. He came to destroy us morally, to make sin so alluring that we fall into its trap. And I, <clears throat> and I will give you victory, God says, over the sins, um, those traps that will enable you okay, to have victory over that. Why? Because the victory has been won. And now we get to walk in that victory as sons and daughters of God's. Okay. So he came to break the works of the devil. Also, Jesus, if he hadn't come, uh, we'd be destroyed. Okay, Satan would win us and keep us for all eternity. That's what he wants to do. He fell. He took a third of his buddies with him. And he wants to take down as many people as possible today. That's what he's doing. He's very good at it. Okay, He's very good at lying. I mean, to a place we're buying into, hey, as long as you believe is, you know, whatever you're believing, you're all good. We can all be happy. Just leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. And there is no absolute truth. Okay. Whatever we think is right, yeah, we'll call it good. Isn't that the mentality of the world today? It's sad. So um, the Bible clearly says that Jesus came and died. Okay. He was not in a swoon. He, he did not take some pain-killing medication of myrrh to stop the heartbeat so that he'd be declared dead. No, Jesus was crucified. He died, okay? He was murdered, dead. So all humanity dies and suffered what we all will suffer. But some of you lost loved ones, okay, this past year. I think of our sister Andrea who's down serving our kids this morning. Her grandma passed away. I'd ask you guys to be praying. I get to do the funeral on Wednesday. Be praying for her and her family. It's hard. But praise God, Grandma knew Jesus. Okay, I got to read some of her personal letters. She had a genuine faith. Okay, One of her favorite passages was from Isaiah where God you know, inscribed in his hands <laughs> your name. Okay, That was her favorite scripture. That's what she wanted to share at her funeral. Be praying because there's going to be family and friends there that don't know the Savior. They've bought into the lies that their hearts would be open to the gospel. Jesus really did come. Okay? Andrea's grandma, Ruth, is really with Jesus today. That's pretty exciting. So, we've lost loved ones. That's a hard thing. Okay? And it's hard. Some people, well, I'm never going to see them again. Okay? I'm never going to be able to touch their gray hair or give them a big hug. You know? Again, the reality is, you know, their body's just in a casket. They're dead, okay? They're going to be buried. They're going to decay. It hurts. That's the final chapter. That's it. That's what a lot of people go through when you don't have hope in Christ. If there's no forgiveness of sins, if there is no eternal life, you're just left with no hope. 
I love when Winston Churchill wrote his own, he wrote his own funeral liturgy. Okay, and I'd encourage you guys to do the same. Andrea's grandma did. She like, here's the 66 songs that once sung at my funeral, you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> you're not gonna be able to do them all. <laughs> but <laughs> bless her heart, that's how many songs ministered to her, you know? And I, I love it, I think we should all do that, okay? Put things into your funeral. This is what I want shared. These are the scriptures I'd like shared. Okay, when my Aunt Midge passed away, she had written down, she was kind of in a goofy church. The pastors didn't share the gospel, but because my aunt wanted these certain scriptures shared at her funeral, guess what? The gospel was still shared, even though the pastors wouldn't do it. You know, I'm just like, praise the Lord. So I encourage you guys, put songs in there, put scriptures, testimonies in there. So all your loved ones, you know, they're going to come and maybe they're hard and they won't want to listen now, but something happens when someone passes okay hearts are open i think it's the only time for some that actually think about afterlife okay their mortality eternal things so be a light even after you die but i want to talk about winston for a second winston churchill wrote his own funeral liturgy he wanted some great hymns to be sung during it it was at saint paul's there uh he wanted a trumpet to sound Okay, get everybody's attention. And then the first trumpet would sound, and then the sound of taps would begin. Day is done, gone the sun, from the lake, from the hill, from the sky, all is well, safely rest. God is nigh. Okay, and then from there, on the other side of the dome, as soon as that was to be finished, he wanted a reveal to be played. Get up in the morning because Jesus conquered death for every Christian. You know, that is so awesome because we think of a man like Winston Churchill, a lot could be said and done at his funeral, but no, this is what I want you guys to know. Hey, there is hope, there is life in Christ. That's where I am now, you know? I love it. So we all are going to be changed, we're told in the scriptures. We shall see him as he is, and we shall be like him. For this um, corruptible must take on incorruption, the mortal must take on immortality, and then shall be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. So because Jesus came, guys, if Jesus had not come, there would be no life after death. But because he did, guess what? We have life, we have life eternal. So we look around and we see sometimes wrong is on the throne. We see rulers and military regimes that are messed up. We see so much injustice today in the world. Poverty is a world issue. We're very blessed here in the West, but there are many who went to bed last night hungry. Um, we see our fellow human being, there's just hatred towards each other over the most ridiculous things. Um, and we keep thinking, you know, is anything ever going to happen? Are things ever going to be made right? I want you guys to listen to what Isaiah said. He told us that a child, for unto us a child would be born, a son would be given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Is the government upon the shoulders of Jesus today? No. Will it happen? Absolutely. For you guys who get a little worried about things, is he going to follow through? Well, let me tell you what. He fulfilled hundreds of prophecies concerning his first coming. There's eight times that amount of prophecy concerning his second coming. And let me tell you what. When he comes back, he's not coming as a little baby. 
He's going to come back and kick some butt, okay? <laughs> and the, the government will be upon his shoulder. He will rule and reign. One thousand, the millennial kingdom, a thousand years, everything's going to be set straight. We're pretty stoked about that. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. So when you have those knocks on your door on a Saturday and you got a JW standing there saying, hey, Jesus is not God. Well, who is this child that was born to us? Who, who's this Mighty God, Everlasting Father? Who is this child? Ask them. Uh, 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 they're not going to, they don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that scripture, but we don't believe it's, well, it tells us here he's the Almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over the kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. That's our Jesus. Okay? God with us. He will rule and he will reign. That's his mission, guys. Why hasn't he done that yet? We're told in 2 Peter 3.9, God desires none to perish. Any of you guys come to faith in the last year or two? Any of you guys? A few of you? Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad God waited a little longer? Didn't come? Yeah. Man, I'm so thankful. But we, know, we don't know when that last one who's to be saved is going to get saved. Okay? We do believe we're living in the last days. It could be really soon. Okay? And things are going to be set into place. And let me tell you what, guys, I'm pretty excited that he's going to come and he's going to set every wrong right. He will reign one day, guys. Guys, it was on Christmas Eve after a Romanian church had gathered for a candlelight service that a communist soldier came. Uh, they came and they wanted to take the pastor. Well, the people lined up outside that church, 10, 15, 20, 30 people deep and circling and saying, hey, if you come after the pastor, you got to come through us first. Well, the soldiers couldn't get in. They couldn't move. The candlelights began to move through the city, and the candlelights began to spread throughout the city, and they came out into the streets, um, and courage came. And it was on Christmas Day that the people said, hey, we've had enough. This terrible dictator of Romania and his wife, they were executed on Christmas Day in 1989. In 1991, Mikhail Gorbachev, he said on Christmas Day, he said this on Christmas Day, communism has not worked. Okay? There's a big push today in our country towards that. Well, here, take it from a guy okay, who is leading. He said the hammer and the sickle changes. The Soviet Union has been... Or, had, or as it has been known for 75 years, is no longer the same empire. Doesn't work. That was on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, the empire said, we will destroy God and Jesus and the church. It was destroyed by the faith of the people who know that he rules and the one day will reign forever and ever. You guys see, if Jesus had not come, there would be no righting the wrong Okay, in those, and no ruling of the world. But he did come, didn't he? Right? And that's the good news. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. He's the reason. And if there's any other reasons, we got to check ourselves. Why do we celebrate? 
In closing, guys, I want to just touch on the hope of Christmas. It says, um, I don't know, well, <laughs> how many of you guys came to Christ in a crisis? How many of you guys come to Christ in a cri crisis? How many of you guys came to Christ because mom and dad maybe were believers and you were brought to church and you grew up in the church? A handful of you guys. Um, there's a lot of different reasons people come, okay? Difficult problems, whatever reason you found yourself believing, trusting him, and that's great. I don't care how people come to Christ just as long as they come to Christ, amen? That's the only thing that really matters. Whatever got you there, that is what mattered, okay? I've met with a lot of people that were just so broken over guilt, in their sin. That's the reason they began to seek. Okay, So whatever is bringing you to that point that you have found Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sin, Okay, you know that God is compassionate. Okay, That he is Savior. Uh, a man, Disraeli, a brilliant prime minister of England, he was in love with this lady that was 12 years older than he was. And her name was Mary. And they got married. And a uh, legendary love story between the two. Uh, he used to kid with her and say, Mary, you know, the only reason I married you was for your money. And uh, she would say back to him, but if you had to do it all over again, you would do it because you love me. And I think, guys, if we had to do it all over again, no matter what reason it was that you came to Christ, if you had to do it all over again, you would say today, it's because he loves me. It's because he loves me. That's why I would give my life to Christ again. That's why I would say yes. That's why I believe. That's why I celebrate Christmas. It's because he loves me. See, if Christ had not come, we should turn off the bells, get rid of all that crazy Christmas music on the radios, <laughs> right? Close up the church, sleep in on Sundays. There's no hope, right? No hope. But I bring you good tidings of great joy for unto us this day, born in the city of David, is the Savior, Christ the Lord. And the light came into the world and we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the darkness could not overcome the light. I'd like to close with the last prayer that we find in all of the Bible. Does anybody know what it is? Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Because Jesus just proclaimed at the end of Revelation, Behold, I'm coming quickly. And that's what we do is we come to the Lord's table. We proclaim his death until he comes. And we do believe he's going to come quick. It would be so cool if it be today. So, fathers, we keep looking to you, not just because it's Christmas season or because uh, we considered uh, in your word today uh, that you came and... Uh, dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, Lord. Those, those passages definitely stir us up. We look to you because um, you're it, Lord. You're the becoming one. Uh, you, are, you are the Savior of this world, and we all need you. So I just pray uh, grace for each and every one of my brothers and sisters here that you would uh, help all of us Lord, to keep our eyes fixed upon you this Christmas season and every day, 
Lord, no matter what comes our way. And for any here today that are seeking, Lord, that you, Father, would just open their eyes, let them just see that you really are who you say you are, that you are our God, our creator, um, exactly what they need. So I thank you so much, Lord, for your this time together in your word this morning. God, I pray that we would be let out this week, Father, uh, just with you in sight, walking closely to you, and just being about your purposes, that your will would be done in our lives. And we humbly ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen.